0: test, test. Is this thing on? It is on and Trace is not here. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast for water treaters by water treaters. I'm your host, Mark Lewis, and I'm going to take over the reins today because Trace is not here and you folks deserve to have Scaling Up each and every week. So without Trace, it's all up to me. Hey, Hey, what's going on here? I was just trying to do the show since you weren't around. I was just
1: in the other room. But you're not ready to do the show. Mark, I am always ready to do Scaling Up H2O. So is this one of those times you're just going to come in and take over again?
0: Well, Trace, what this is, is this is, you know, it's been a while since I've been on. And so sometimes where I get aggravated when I'm listening to the show and you're not talking about the things I want to talk about. You're not talking about the things that make me go, hmm. And like some of those things, like. What's a man bun? Why do men want to roll up their hair and stick it in the back of their head? It just, it just isn't right. This is a water treatment podcast. Why would we talk about it? We are water treatment professionals and we must look the part. So, guys, go to the barbershop and get your hair cut.
1: <laughs> another thing that made me go. I'm going to get nailed because of this now.
0: Another thing, Trace, that makes me go, hmm, is these saggy britches. Come on, boys, pull your pants up. We gotta have, we've got to look professional because that's what we are. We're water treatment professionals. And I guess Trace doesn't want to talk about the issues I want to talk about. So, so let's just ask a few questions about Trace, about what's going on. Let's figure out really what's been going on because, you know, it's been 70-something episodes since you've had me in the studio and, and, and spoke to me really about what's going on. So, so what's taking you so long to get me back in the studio?
1: Well, let me first address the nation for those of you that don't know what has happened. Mark Lewis from episodes 31 and 34 is back in the studio. Folks, you probably want to leave your doors locked if you got an armed microphone when Mark Lewis around. So Mark Lewis has just taken over the show. Yeah. Why has it taken so long to get me back in the studio? Well, I guess it's been around 75 shows or so since, uh, you know, you have been on the show. you I've talked to you at technical training. I think you've called in a couple of times. So you have well, short, been on the show. Short
0: little blurbs. You, you really haven't got the full Mark Lewis on the show. It's always been these little bitty bits and pieces. If you really want to understand what's going on in this water treatment stuff, you got to have me come in and sit down or communicate with me so we can go in depth in some of these topics that we need to go in depth on. And apparently if I don't, you will, and here you are. Well, you know, so many times I'm driving down the road, listening to the podcast, and there again, Trace, you're leaving out all these bits and pieces that are very important. And so somebody needs to come in, sit down with you and fill in the gaps that you leave wide open. So there's many things that the nation wants to know about. And, you know, we we celebrated 100 episodes a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. What's been your favorite episode so far?
1: My favorite episode? so Besides bes- 31 and 34. I was waiting for that one, besides 31 and 34. My favorite episode, I would say, would be episode 92, And that was the one where I shared my TED Talk experience. I do remember that one. And the flux capacitor? Yes. In my company, we refer to Back to the Future quite a bit with the flux capacitor because of how we do annual planning. We go three years into the future every year and we figure out, okay, what are we building? Do we all have a common vision of what we see? What does it look like? Who are the people working here? What equipment do we need? Are we in the same building? And then when we're all in agreement, we come back to present day and we figure out what we're going to do that year to make that happen. And I've shared with a lot of people that I do that, and several people thought that I should share that, and one of those people was Tim Fulton, my business coach, And he does a conference every year called Small Business Matters. And we were having lunch at our regular meeting. And I asked him if he had all the speakers that he needed for his conference. And he told me yes. And then he stopped. and He goes, well, why do you ask? And I said, well, I just thought it would always be neat if I could speak at one of your conferences. And he said, well, Trace, I made a mistake. I actually have one spot open. So he made a spot just for me. And I thought that was so cool. And then I had to come up with a presentation. And I share that entire experience on that show. And I share that I didn't get the result that I wanted the first time that I went out of the gate with that rehearsal. And I almost thought I didn't want to do it anymore because it went so badly. But I practiced and I shared the procedure that I went through. I shared the criticism that I went through. And I really grew through that process. So it was really nice for me to be able to use the microphone after it was all said and done and just explain everything that I went through and then what I actually gained at the end of it. I really did grow as not only a person, but a speaker. And I really enjoyed sharing that with everybody. Well, Trace, I'll tell you it's it's pretty evident that you
0: have grown because i remember episode one (laughs) (laughs) and and that was one that i listened to and and there again uh i was driving first thing in the morning and and when i was most alert and and i heard this monotone voice over the podcast and and i'm thinking trace you really can't be getting involved in this because, because this is not good. Good story, bad presentation. And, and so we do learn from our mistakes. And so what you've done with the podcast as far as getting better as a speaker, I think the podcast is really intended for all of us to get better as water treaters. Because we're, we're hearing the experiences, we're getting the best of the best to come in and talk about their best topics and their best subjects. And so people can tell us about what they've done right, and then we laugh about what we've done wrong. And uh, I think that uh, there were several conversations about what was wrong. And the nice part is you've had the opportunity to refine and fix and adjust. And, and that's the way our water treatment programs are. We do something, and it's not going to be the best the first time. But yet, as we grow and continue on, we're going to get better and better. And so, you know, let your good be good until it can be better. And then let your better be better until it can be your best. And I think that Scaling Up has brought the best out of you. And uh, we are the ones that get to experience that. So so thank you so far for everything you've done. So, you know, it's it's been almost three years since you've been hosting Scaling Up H2O. What's your biggest accomplishment?
1: I think the fact that we just celebrated 100 episodes is a huge accomplishment. You brought up episode one. I'm surprised anybody listened to episode two after they listened to episode one. So the fact that we have 100 episodes and, and people have told me they've uh, listened to them multiple times. So that, that's just incredible. But I would say that uh, it's, it's just been great to have a platform that I get to learn right along with the nation. And I've spoken with just fantastic water treaters on the show. I've learned just as much as other people have learned by speaking with these water treaters. We've invited business leaders on, uh, people that have written some fantastic books, and then they share... Why they wrote the books and some tips that maybe they didn't have time to write or the editor took out. So that's just been a fantastic journey to have a platform like this podcast where we can learn more from the people who do the things that we do each and every day.
0: In technical training, you love to say that a a rising tide raises all ships. Was
1: that the inspiration for you to start this podcast or was there something else? I will tell you that I do love that JFK quote, a rising tide raises all ships. And that was the reason that I would use to defend why I was doing the podcast. So the reason I started the podcast is I can only teach so many people a year with my company and with the AWT and my favorite thing in the world is teaching water treatment. I, I've been very blessed to be introduced by my father with water treatment. I can't imagine what I'd do had he not done that, but I truly love what I do and I, I really love teaching what I do to other people. And when people finally get it and they have that spark that they wanna go out and be better water treaters and they understand why, that's why I started this podcast because now instead of hundreds of people I'm now able to touch thousands of people. And and that's really the reason why. When people said, why are you training your competition? Why would you ever put out a free podcast and you're now taking a lifetime of your experience and you're making your competition better? Why on earth would you do that? I would then answer that with the JFK quote, well, a rising tide does raise all ships. So if we're all getting better, we're all getting better. And and I
0: know that's one of the things that you really try to get across is to make our industry better, we must educate all. And because we have dealt with the concepts and the the personifications of being just a snake oil salesman, so you've, you've tried to improve the industry. So when you decided to do this podcast almost three years ago, what were some of the challenges that you had to go through? And then what has been the largest challenge that you had to face?
1: Well, I didn't know anything about a podcast. I shared recently on the 100th episode that my friend Charlie Cicchetti said, Trace, you really need to have your own podcast. And I said, Charlie, that's great. What the heck is a podcast? And he had me download a player. And since that time, I have been a podcast addict. That's that's what I listen to when I'm in the car. So learning what a podcast is was one thing. Then I had to learn, okay, how does somebody produce a podcast? I didn't know anything about recording, I didn't know anything about getting it up on a platform so other people could listen to it. So of course the learning curve, learning how to do all of those things, that was my initial hurdle. The other thing was the podcast doesn't really generate an income like my regular day job. So if I am now doing work for the podcast, I am not generating income from my regular day job and I had to figure that out very quickly. Because my family has this habit where they enjoy eating food and living indoors. So I had to make sure that we could continue doing that. So I'm a big process person. So I started making processes to figure out how I could best spend my time. And then the hurdles then became, I just didn't have the time to do it. So as you know, we brought on some people that are now part of the Scaling Up H2O staff. So you talk about these people and you're
0: talking about being a planner, Share with the nation here, what are some of the things that that you're working on now with the podcast to take it to the next level?
1: Well, we just had a staff meeting this week where we're talking about how can we celebrate the Scaling Up Nation more. We've had many people that have signed up for a mailing list, and we really haven't done a lot with that uh, we've had people that have identified that they are part of the Scaling Up Nation. Support. I've got a button. You've got a button. We have so many people in the bu- I've got to tell you, Mark, that is so exciting to me when I go to a water treatment event and I see hundreds of people walking around with a Scaling Up H2O button. And That's I bring cool. mine back year after year. I don't make you give me a new one at each event. Well, I saw somebody that had six, and they had gone to so many technical trainings and so many conventions. They they had them all, and they were just... We used out. to collect the, the committee ribbons. Now we collect scaling up buttons. Is yeah. that what we do? I think we do both in, in some venues, but I'm sure I'm glad people, people enjoy those buttons. But that's really awesome. But I want to celebrate that. I want people to know that you're not alone anymore. You're part of a community. We're part of the Scaling Up Nation. And even though you're driving around in your car all by yourself, servicing accounts, you can listen to Scaling Up H2O and you know that there's somebody else that's doing water treatment somewhere else, not alongside of you, but they have the same issues that you're having. And now we're connected with those people. So we're looking at perhaps doing a newsletter, We're looking at some extra content that we can offer the Scaling Up Nation members, uh, maybe even special podcasts. So if you're a Scaling Up Nation member, you're going to get access to a show that most people would not. Like a message with Mark? If that's
0: what people want to hear, sure. Why not? I'm sure that the nation will help you out with that. So sounds like you have a lot of things going on. And, and with everything, you have to be either compensated through money or through praise or something. And since you don't receive any money for this, it must be praise. There must be a lot of people telling you, thanks, Trace, for giving us something that we need and help us grow, et cetera. What What are some of the praises that
1: folks have reached out to you with? When we went to the AWT conference just a few months ago, I had so many people walk up to me. At one point, there were people waiting in a queue to talk to me just to let me know what this podcast has meant to them. And, and that's, just, that's just so amazing to me. I'm just this guy here in Atlanta, Georgia, that decided to buy a microphone and put my content online And people are coming up to me and they're saying, you really changed my life, which I find unbelievable. They say my job was boring. I didn't look outside of the box to see how exciting it was. And you opened my eyes to that. I I just love comments like that. And when I started the podcast, I had no idea that I would ever receive comments like that. Or I would think that what you thought you would receive is a lot of criticism
0: because that's what I like to hand over to you and and not to not to bring you down but to let you do things better. So so what are some of the criticisms you you've heard?
1: Well, let me start by saying yes, some of that criticism has come from you, but it's been constructive criticism. And and I believe I shared this in in the episode we were talking about earlier in episode 92 where I was talking about the TED talk when I gave my presentation the very first time. I started receiving criticism. And it's so easy for us to take the defensive when people start telling us their opinion, especially if it's not what we want to hear. And I think if you do research, that comes from the fight or flight mechanism inside our head. But if we just defend what we already know, we're not going to get that information. So, what I said on that episode, I truly believe if somebody's going to take the time, to let you know something that you may not know and you're never gonna know what they're thinking on their point of view. So if they're gonna share that with you, take a deep breath and take it in. Maybe you do something with it, maybe you don't, but that's information you're never going to receive if you immediately shut them down. So, so the same way we should receive
0: criticism or be critiqued about what we're doing day to day in our water treatment business, the same can be applied to what you're receiving as doing podcasts because everything we do is always to get a little bit better. And so by talking to people and by uh, sharing our experiences, we're going to discuss something and somebody's going to come at it from a different angle. And and like I said earlier, that's the one thing that I always, when I come back and talk to you about, is that you leave this part out and that part out. And it's because all of us have these unique situations. We have different waters, we have different systems, different customers, and we all look at it a different way, even though it's the same cooling tower system, the same boiler system, they're all unique because of everything that's involved with it. So we can learn from where
1: other people are coming from. Absolutely, and I think if you if you take the time, even if it is a criticism, if you recognize that that it's a gift, that you are getting more information that you can you can make yourself better with that. And you know, even again with your criticisms, uh, it's helped me, and I've I've made changes based on what people have told me they liked about the show, what people told me they didn't like about the show. And then of course. I get criticisms with the show's too long or the show's too short, or it needs to come out on Tuesday. And I used to have the show come out on Tuesday. And then people said the show needs to come out on Wednesday. And I started doing it on Wednesday. So I think we're on Friday now. And people say, why does the show come out on Friday? So you can't keep everybody happy, but I think if you keep the content to what people want to hear, and and that's another thing, the Scan Up Nation has been great giving me content so I don't run out of material. But they're also good with letting me know what they like and what they don't like, and with that information, I hope episode 100 is better with that criticism than it would have been had we continued and people didn't let me know what was going on.
0: Well, you're you're always asking for topics and, and interviews in order to to keep the show going. So, out of out of all the people that you have been introduced to about doing an interview. Who would you most like to interview that you haven't been able to set up that interview with and talk about the topics that that you would want to talk about?
1: Well, that is an interesting question, and I'm saying that to stall for time, as I think so. I would say the people that I would want to interview that I haven't yet, and, and he's told me I, I just need to set up a time in his schedule, but uh, Bruce Ketrick Sr. I'd really like to bring him on the show. He has done a lot for me in my career. He is the reason that I train at AWT. He's given me that opportunity. Even I call Bruce
0: Ketrick Sr. dad, and and it's not fair we have to call him senior just because junior came along, <laughs> but you know dad... Bruce Kettrick has been amazing in my life because uh, I got involved with Bruce Ketrick back in 2000 at the Hawaii Convention, and he put me in a position to, to really grow and put me in touch with people that have made me who I am today.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think the first time that I went to uh, an AWT technical training as a trainer. It's been at least 10 years, and I haven't missed any except for one And I called Bruce and I let him know that my father was sick and in the hospital and without any hesitation, he goes, well, that's where your priority needs to be. And he took over my presentations in the training and he called me when I was actually driving back from being with my father and he was just calling to see how things were. And I remember I just broke down on him. I just lost my father. My father passed away. I was in the car driving home after we had had the funeral and the arrangements. And, of course, Bruce was at AWT all week. He didn't know that was going on. And, and Bruce was just so incredible during that conversation. We had, a, we had a great conversation. And, you know, he kind of paused after uh, we said something. And he said, no, I know I can't take the place of your father but I'll do everything to try to make sure I can support you in every way that I can. And uh, he, ever since that conversation, he's called me son. Bruce is just amazing. He's helped me technically. He's helped me emotionally. So number one, I definitely want to get Bruce on the show. I want to share Bruce with the Scaling Up Nation, people that don't know him, and then, Mark, you know I love to read, so I'm always reading a new book. And one of the cool things about the podcast is people are very willing to come on the podcast and talk about their book. So I now have a front row seat to the author. So there are several new books that I've been reading, uh, both in water treatment and in business. So I'd like to get some of those people on the show as well and do some interviews.
0: Well, if I can ask you without you getting emotional, and your dad was a big part of your water treatment and
1: and who you are today, what would dad say about scaling up H2O? I would like to think my father would be extremely proud of scaling up H2O. I
0: remember your dad in Atlanta at the 2012 annual convention when you were president, and there's many times, that's my boy. That's right. That's my boy. I I I think
1: that. that was when I got pinned, wasn't it? Or maybe he said the same thing there. I remember...
0: He was in Reno as well. He was in Reno and Atlanta, and he was so proud of you serving
1: as AWT president. You could see the joy uh, in his eyes and and in his voice. And the funny thing about that is Dad was not a very active AWT member. No, Those were the only two conventions I think he ever went to, and he went because of me. Well, he came back to
0: Atlanta because in Reno, he saw me drive the golf ball, and he wanted to watch
1: me hit the golf ball he was fascinated with how you play golf now now nation if if you have ever seen happy gilmore that is how mark lewis drives a golf ball swing hard in case you hit it i mean and that's it baby i mean that golf ball will fly and my dad was just fascinated to watch his swing it was something and I have I have fun. In, in high school, they asked us
0: to give a motto during your senior year. And mine was, take everything life has to offer and have fun with it. And that's what I take out of life.
1: I do think it would be really cool. You know, I always ask people if they could go back in time. It would be cool to go back in time and interview my dad as a water treater. I learned so much from my dad. Uh, my dad, you know, he was always teaching me. And I don't think he sat out to do that. It was just who he was. And I am so curious for information just because of how he brought me up. And especially when it comes to water treatment, because that was the field that he knew. And knowing him for so long, I think I could ask some really good questions. And I would love to ask him, you know, how he came up with some of the things that he did in water treatment and he was able to take a topic and then teach it in a way that made sense and it totally went against anything i learned in school and he would just say you know just throw those books away i want to teach you the right way to do it and I, the thing that irritated me just thinking of that i remember is uh, you know i've got a, a very scientific mathematical way to determine the volume in a system And I'll measure pipe, and I'll figure out how many gallons is in the linear feet of pipe, and I'll do all this ciphering. My dad could go into a mechanical room in a plant and just look around for about 30 seconds and jot a number down on a page, and it would be within 10% of what I came up with. He was just very interesting when it came to sort of uh, off-the-cuff water treatment, and he was almost always right when he did that. You know, and, it, and it's part of using the tools that you have.
0: You know, I've always said that when I, when I do a system volume of a, of a building that you really can't tell, I take the, the largest diameter pipe and I go from end to end and I go from bottom to top, and that will get me pretty close. So we all have these different tools that we use, these different things. What's your favorite and then your least
1: favorite tool that you carry in your test kit? I would say my favorite tool is my flashlight followed by my Leatherman. And I know you expect me to talk about what test I like and and that sort of, but there's just something about when I'm surveying a brand new account and I take out my flashlight, I turn it on and I then trace every bit of the system and I'm just focused on what my flashlight is lighting. And that allows me to see every bit of the system and I'll see all the equipment that's hooked up to it And more often than not, I'll ask a question about how something's plumbed because it's plumbed wrong and it's been that way for 20 years. And somebody would say, you're the only one that ever said anything about that. And I would say, well, are you having this problem or that problem? They would say, yeah, how'd you know that? I'll say, because that's not plumbed right. And it's all because I think when, especially when we're looking at a new account, there's just everything all at once that we're looking at. And the flashlight allows me to step back from that. It's all brand new to me, but now I can just look at each inch of the system at a time and see how it makes sense, how it was plumbed together, and now my mind's able to process it in bite-sized pieces and then that allows us to truly understand the system that we're looking at so the flashlight allows me to do that i know that's a weird thing to say and the leatherman because i can't tell you how many times that leatherman has saved me from walking back down 13 flights of stairs into my truck so
0: nation the leatherman is the pliers and
1: knife and screwdriver tool that he carries all right right it's a it's a multi-tool Uh, It's got about, I would say, at least 10 tools on it, and it it just has saved me in a pinch. So your your least favorite? Well, the least favorite, if I were to think of all of the tests that I have in my test kit, I would say it is the organic phosphate test or or the OP test. And I've just never been able to get it to work right. And I'm talking about the test that's supposed to do the organic phosphate, digestion, and everything all in that one little tablet, and then you're supposed to be able to read it. You name it, I can get a result off of it. I mean, if you want it to be a five, I can make it a five. If you want it a six, I can make it a six. I just I've never been able to repeat that test. Uh, the only way I've been able to do phosphate is to do the, an orthophosphate test and then, revert everything back to that original orthophosphate form and then just subtract whatever you're looking for. We've got some customers that require us to use that OP test, so we have to use it. I just don't like it. It's not repeatable. Now, maybe I'm doing something wrong, and, and, and Nation, if if you've got some some tips for me on how to do that, I think I've done a pretty good job of trying to figure out how to use it in the lab and, and change things with it, but I just I just don't like that test. And Trace, I would agree, you know, we all have our favorite tools in our test
0: kit and knowing what they are. I love my laser temperature gun because it puts me in contact with the temperature that my water is coming in contact with. And I can determine how my water is going to react by knowing the the temperature.
1: I will say one of my favorite things that you do is how you explain chillers. And I've called you a chiller whisperer on this show several times. I don't whisper ever. No, I've never heard you whisper, so that's probably a bad description of you, so I'll stop doing that now. But what you do when you're teaching people the different parts of a chiller is you'll take out that temperature gun and you'll show them the different skin temperatures on that chiller. And one of the things that we do in our class that we teach for AWT is we talk about the scale potential based on what the temperature is that the water is coming in contact with. And you do an incredible job of saying, okay, the bulk water is 90 degrees. The water that's circulating around the system is 90 degrees. And if we base what our scaling tendency is on 90 degrees, we're going to have a false sense of security. And then you show us the hottest part of that chiller, and I wanna say it's 120 something.
0: It, it, it ranges, um, but yeah, it can be anywhere from upper 90s to, in a chiller, probably 135, 145. Air compressors can be as high as 235, depending upon whether you're cooling oil or air. So knowing the temperature, it tells you how your water is going to react. And so if you've ever seen a chiller, and the bottom pass looks perfect and the top pass is all scaled up, think about it. The top pass is where the gas is and the bottom pass is where the liquid is. The temperature is the only thing that's different. So understanding temperature is critical to me. So, Trace, in order to get to understand you and know who you are a little better, you like to do the lightning round. Mm. But what I want to do, I want to just ask some quick questions. And I want the first thing that pops to your head so that uh, we can know the true Trace Blackmore and, and not the person that you like to put on to be. Because <laughs> I know that you want to be seen as somebody much bigger, smarter, brighter, more
1: respectful more respectable than you are. So, funniest movie scene? Uh, Pink Panther when uh, he goes in to the hotel manager and he asks if the dog bites and the hotel manager says, no, my dog doesn't bite. And he reaches down to pet the dog and the dog just bites the you know what out of his hand. And he goes, I thought you said your dog doesn't bite. He goes, that's not my dog. <laughs> that's that's sad. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? Oh, I live in Atlanta.
0: Coke, uh, vanilla or chocolate, chocolate. Five Guys or Chick-fil-A?
1: Chick-fil-A. Okay, so why are you such of a Chick-fil-A fan? Chick-fil-A, and, and I, don't, I don't know if everybody that listens to Scaling Up H2O has a Chick-fil-A in their backyard. They're based here in Atlanta, so you know they're, they're everywhere here. If you don't know what a Chick-fil-A is, it's a quick service chicken restaurant. I mean, they serve a chicken sandwich, It's fried chicken on a toasted bun with two pickles. That is the magic of the Chick-fil-A sandwich. And they've created an empire on that. And when I work with other companies and we talk about core values, we talk about culture, all of those different things, I always bring an example of a company. And one of the companies I use more often than not is Chick-fil-A because they're all about culture. And the founder, his name was Truett Cathy. He passed away a couple of years ago. His mission statement was, a good name is more desirable than great riches. And I'm all about mission statements, but I'm especially about mission statements when people live by them. What do they mean? So Truett decided that they were going to be closed on Sundays. And he has been ridiculed for that decision because there's a whole bunch of business that takes place on Sundays. Well, before Chick-fil-A even existed, he had a little restaurant here in Atlanta. It was called The Dwarf House and he closed on Sunday. Now, the reason he closed on Sunday wasn't really to go to church, it was because the man was tired and he knew his people were tired that worked there and he wanted to make sure that he gave them time to rest and time to connect with their family. Later, when he invented the chicken sandwich and he started to build Chick-fil-A's, he built all those stores and malls. So if you remember back when we were first introduced to Chick-fil-A, it was just inside a mall. Well, when's a mall the busiest? It's the weekend. So if you read any of Truett's books, he talks about signing these leases inside the mall and people said, well, What was this thing you just wrote down? You're going to be closed on Sunday? That's the busiest day of a mall. And he goes, Well, that's what we're, that's our culture. We want our employees to be able to go home, spend time with their families, do what they need to do, and we'll be back on Monday. And he got a lot of opposition from that. Some people actually wouldn't rent the space to him because of that. But he was more concerned about the company building people more than the people building the company. And when he would invest, he invested in his people. And of course, what in turn happened? The people started investing in the company. I don't know how much Chick-fil-A is worth now. It's in the billions. It has very little debt. They are privately held so they can do what they need to do. And I've had people from Chick-fil-A on this show, and they talk about how great the culture is and why they not only work for Chick-fil-A, but they want their friends and family to work for Chick-fil-A. And that all started because Truett Cathy decided that he was going to let the world know what he was for, and he didn't waver from that ever. That's why I like Chick-fil-A. Cool. Cool. Back to the quick questions. Oh, my goodness. Ford or Chevy? Chevy.
0: Boxes oh. or briefs? <sighs> <laughs> briefs. Favorite episode, Thirty-one,
1: thirty-four. Oh, come on oh, now. Come I had on. to get
0: it in there. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've kind of learned a little bit about where Scaling Up has been and and where it's currently going, but, but what's your vision? We, we talk about vision and mission. What's your vision for Scaling Up? In the next 100 episodes.
1: Again, I am truly humbled that we do have 100 episodes. It's because of guests like me. It is definitely because of guests like you. And Jim Lukinich and Janet Stout. But Mark, you're right. It is about the guests. Yeah, Every one of our guests has just been, has been great. They've added to the knowledge base of the Scaling Up Nation. And that's what I see for the next 100 shows. We're going we're gonna to learn new guests that, that I've never met before. We're going to hopefully get them on the show. Scaling Up Nation, I need you for that. Who are the people out there that we need to be speaking with? I think you've got to make it easier
0: to come on because, see, people like Bill Pearson... They don't understand how to work this technology you got <laughs> set up, so maybe you need to do a, a, a trip around the United States and stop in
1: all these cities where these people are to interview them. So how about we do this? We'll get an RV, we'll wrap it with the Scaling Up H2O logo, and we'll just take it all the way around the United States, and we'll we'll interview every water treater out there. We could do that.
0: We could receive advertisements and
1: and sponsorships and everything else. What, have you thought about that? Have I thought about the RV? No, I don't yeah. think the RV is probably Motor going coach. to make uh, in the next 100 episodes. Maybe that's a goal for the next 300 episodes. Okay. I will tell you, you and I are in the studio right now. And something people may not know about how scaling up H2O works is I would say at least 75% of my episodes are not in person. We're uh, from a distance and we're recording remotely. And we're not able to get the visual cues and things like you and I are doing right now. So that's, that's a lot more fun for me as a host because it is a more interesting conversation. You can kind of read off the person how excited they get about something. So I would love to do more of those. There's just only so much time and so many resources that we can do with that. Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: So Trace, you say no RV, but uh, sponsorships are advertising
1: as we look at approaching 10,000 listeners. Right, right. Well, you asked me about criticisms earlier. One of the criticisms that I have received from, from multiple people is, you know, why aren't I allowing sponsorships on the show? There are people that the only time they hear about water treatment and learn more about water treatment is from this show. So, why am I not bringing people on where they could possibly buy something from them that will help them? And then the people that sell these items, they hear how people really like this show and they want to be part of it. I think it was really early on I tested the market and I asked the question on one of my shows, should I do that? It was resoundingly yes, and that was in the early episodes. I don't even think I had 20 at the time when I did that. Well, now I'm over 100, and I still haven't done that, but so many people at the recent AWT conference approached me, and they said, we really want to support you. We think you're doing a great thing with this show. We know that uh, people are enjoying it, and if, if we can be a part of that and help you with that, please let us, and I've heard that. And I'm going to tell you, Mark, we're going to start doing sponsorships. So you're going to start hearing that very shortly. And when I let people know that, that there's an opportunity, they're just delighted. And I guess I didn't expect that. I thought they were going to think I was trying to take something from them. But everybody I've spoken to, they see how it's a way to give back to the water treatment community.
0: Well, you know, the episodes are, are kind of unique because they're, they're what we've been, we need they're what we need and have needed for a long time because we do have so much windshield time. And, and so we have a, a captive market there or captive time to where we can learn. And, uh, so a lot of us really don't know, but when we look at how an episode is made, you know, if anybody thinks that two people sit down, and they start talking and we start and finish and record and that's done. And then it suddenly magically appears up on the world wide web. I think they're kind of confused. So, kind of walk us through the steps from scheduling an episode right on down to production uh, so that we understand what actually goes into it.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm trying to think of everything that we do. Our procedure is well over a hundred items that we have to do for an episode, and it's not just me. I have a, I have a team of three people, and, and I'll just recognize them right now. So we, we've, got, we've got Carla that helps us out. We've got Lauren that, that helps us out. And then we have Sean that edits our episodes. And Sean does a great job because he makes me sound halfway intelligent. So I don't, know, I don't know what kind of equipment he has in order to do that. So we get together and we do an annual plan to figure out what we're going to do this year on Scaling Up H2O. And we look at a calendar and we look at all the events that are coming up as far as water events. And we try to match things up as we're picking topics from this giant list that we have of potential water treatment topics and that's kind of a rough list if you will then we go through our list of potential guests and we figure out how do we match these guests up to the best spot in the calendar and then lauren will reach out to those guests and we'll start scheduling those for a recording Uh, As I said, most of our recordings are done on a remote basis, so there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that goes to make sure the guest has everything that they need. They know how to log in to the recording service that we use. They know the proper mic to use. We get a good consistent sound, so uh, that's a bunch of the the behind-the-scenes that we do there, and then we create questions for the guest. We don't do that to have a script because, as you can tell on this show, it's not scripted, Uh, definitely from this show. But what the questions do is they make sure that we're going down a particular path so everybody can follow with us. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and sometimes it's just question on question on question, and it's difficult to follow. So I try to make it as easy as possible. For somebody listening who's thinking about their day-to-day that they're doing in their business, but they can also follow the conversation and they can get something out of it. So, we create that list of questions. We might go back and forth with the guests to make sure we're talking about the things that they do want to talk about. Then we record the episode. The episode then gets sent to Sean. He does his magic with editing. Then we do a lot of things behind the scenes that deal with the website, with social media, with making sure that the guest knows when their episode is going to come out and i am leaving out dozens of things in our process but then eventually the episode does release and then we continue to try to market that episode for about a maybe a nine week period after it comes out and and that's the rough life of how an episode gets from you know the beginning to the end
0: So, Trace, uh, we've had quite of a conversation here.
1: And is there any question that you thought I would ask, but I didn't? I will say the way it's going, I'm thinking you were going to ask me, you know, how do we fire Trace and get you to be the host of the show?
0: Well, you know, that came up, but I'm not sure I'm ready to do all the work that you do. So I think I'm going to just leave it to you because you've got to have some superpowers or or something to to in order to do everything you do. You and I are friends. We talk a lot of mornings and, and we did that 630 to 7 time slot where we can kind of start the day off and, and, and get focused and just catch up on each what each other's doing. What, what's your superpower that get,
1: allows you to get everything done? Because I need some of that. Well, I will say I have an excellent team. And as I started taking more and more on with the podcast, I realized that this podcast would not be very long lived if I did it all myself. So as I started getting more busy, I knew things were going to slip through the cracks. So that's why I brought a staff on it. And they are truly the superpower when you look at Scaling Up H2O. I was recently asked what my superpower was on another podcast and it wasn't in relation to Scaling Up H2O, it was just me personally. And I, I really enjoyed that question because it got me to think about that. And I posed that question to my business group. And they all looked at me like I had a third head and said, you don't really know what your superpower is. And I said, well, I'm asking, I guess I don't. I apparently, according to them, and and now that they said it, I can see it. If I read a book or go to a seminar or hear a speaker, a podcast, I'm able to take things from that. And then maybe one or two little pieces, I'm then able to put it in whatever I'm working on now. So maybe it's a podcast procedure, or maybe it's a way that we survey a water treatment account and make the entire process better. So that's what my business group said my superpower was. So uh, I guess we'll go with that. So if you could change anything in the world, what would it be? Political polarization. Political polarization. You cannot turn on any television, media, or even have a conversation without somebody talking about, and of course, I'm talking about American politics now, but I'm sure it happens this way worldwide, where somebody's from one side or somebody's from the other side, and then almost as soon as they identify that way, the other person stops listening and they just immediately start throwing attacks at the other person. Our lives are so much more complicated than that, and I think if we would take the time to listen to other people, not get so involved in who's saying what politically, but really listen to what the person you're talking to is trying to say, I think we would find that we have way more in common than we have different And when we can talk from that commonality, we can actually start to get things done. So if I could wave a magic wand, I would get all this political stuff out of here so we can start talking with people again. People are so worried about what they're going to say. People are just trying to catch people to say something wrong. That's not communication. Communication is two people getting together, sharing ideas, and then walking away with something bigger than what they entered the conversation with.
0: Love, not hate. That's right. So if we just love one another and, and seek first to understand, because I, I know I find myself a lot of times I can agree with that. I can agree with that. I can't agree with that. But yet, because I associate with that one part, I must be everything else. And so I get exactly what you're talking about. So out of everything you've done in your life, what's your most proudest accomplishment?
1: Can you say most proudest? You just did. What's your most proudest accomplishment? Now, is it grammatically correct? I'm not sure, but you can definitely say it because you just said it. Trace. Well, I'm I'm doing this to stall, Mark, because I'm trying to think about what some of these items were. A bunch of things come to mind. Um, Mark being your friend? Mark being your friend. I got to teach you how to scuba dive. Absolutely. You you and I are, we're actually, why are you in my office? Because I didn't lock the door, but then you also came over because we're getting ready to go down to the Florida Keys. And we are going to do a scuba diving trip, so uh, so that was pretty cool that but you know but what everyone doesn't understand is is
0: Trace and I went down to Epcot to dive the aquarium mm-hmm. and I went down with Trace because I knew he would be watching after me, and we he got down there, and then afterwards, I told him I said, I only dove because I thought you'd be watching after me. And he says, well, I thought you knew everything, and I didn't need to watch after you anymore. <laughs> so I do enjoy diving with Trace because he is so caring. He looks after the whole group. He's not there just for himself. And I'm sure he has a great time. But I feel very comfortable diving with Trace,
1: and, uh, and, and you guys would, too, if, if you dove with him. Oh, I appreciate that. And, and diving is one of the things I absolutely love to do. So I say sharing that with great friends like you, that, that's definitely a, a great accomplishment. I remember my father-in-law talking to me one night, and he told me that he was so fortunate that I married his daughter because he could see that I love her just as much as he did. And that was just an incredible statement by him. I remember... Uh, Chris Kersey, who works with me, when several years ago when he got married, he asked if I would stand up for him at his wedding party. So, you know, he and I work together and, and you hope to have a good relationship. But for somebody to actually ask you to do that, I mean, that was a, a huge, huge accomplishment, I think. And Mark, you mentioned one already about my father you know saying that hey that's my boy when I went up there at AWT so that was that was definitely a great moment as well if you were to ask me how I felt at that particular moment when he said that in Reno it kind of embarrassed me a little bit i'm like oh dad you know what are you doing but now looking back on it, and of course i don't have my father anymore i mean that was him showing that he was proud of what i was doing and he was truly proud that i was his son so so that was definitely up there as well
0: Well, you're still kind of a young whippersnapper, you know, and as you grow older and and get toward the end of your career, toward the end of your life, when people think of Trace Blackmore, what would you like for them
1: to think? You're asking some really deep questions. We are getting to know the Trace Blackmore. I see this. I would say that when it's all said and done, I would like to be remembered that I brought people together. That I uh, allowed people to have a conversation together, maybe over this show. One of my favorite stories is the gentleman that shared with me that he never talked with his competition and then he was very lonely because there was nobody else in his market. So after this show, he decided, you know, we're not going to collude with each other but we're going to have conversations about water treatment because nobody else understood what he was going through and now he now has a a really good friend in water treatment like you and i where he can bounce things off from each other now he was the one that invited that friend to dinner that uh, now became his friend but he says that the show was the catalyst for that So, if I can bring people together so we have a sense of community, we're all part of the Scaling Up Nation, we feel that we're doing a service as water treaters that truly is, you know, one of the coolest professions that's out there. But at the same time, too, you know, we're always talking about how do we save carbon fuels. Well, you know, if our water treatment's working properly, that equipment is running as efficiently as possible. And we're using the least amount of water that we can if that equipment is running properly. So if I'm inspiring water treaters to make sure that they're doing their job to the best of their ability, then we're doing all those things. So a rising tide raises all boats. So that's what I'd like to be known for. Very well said. And Trace, just I think we've used this time
0: to, to get to know you a little bit better, to get to, a little bit of, to know a little bit about the vision of, of scaling up and how we come together and, and how we can help you continue making these podcasts and educating us and bringing us together. So I thank you for everything that you do and what you do and who you are. And it's great to know uh, some of the backstory about why you do what you do. And so with that, we may understand a little bit more of what you do and how you do it. Well, Mark, I appreciate you having me come on the show. Anytime you walk in your office and I'm messing with your equipment, you're welcome to sit down
1: and join me. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Radical Polymers. Nation, running a water treatment business is hard. Dealing with your suppliers shouldn't be. And when I deal with the fine folks over at Radical Polymers, I have always felt like I have had a partner. They test things in the environments that we are going to use their products. They also make sure that if I have any questions that I get the answer that I am looking for. Mike and the fine folks over at Radical Polymers answer the phones. Folks, when was the last time you actually talked with somebody when you had a technical support question? Well, they make your issues their issues and they get right down to the problem. They offer best-in-class technologies with the first-class support that I just mentioned. Go to ScalingUpH2O.com forward slash radical to find out more. Well, Nation, I hope you enjoyed that. I don't know if you have ever had a situation like that. You walk out of your office for 10 minutes, you come back, and somebody has got your recording equipment all set up, And a legal pad full of questions that they are getting ready to ask you. But that is what you just witnessed. Mark Lewis, CWT, one of my very good friends, was in the office and he thought it would be a great idea to let the Scaling Up Nation know a little bit about the host. So uh, I enjoyed that. I hope you did too. As Mark mentioned, we hope to have hundreds of more shows. And the only way that I can do that is for you to let me know what. you want this show to bring to you so if you know some of these guests that we're going to interview in future shows please let me know. Please introduce them to me. If you have a topic that you want me to talk about, please let me know what that is. Eventually, I am going to run out of material if you don't help me. So you are helping yourself, you're helping the nation, and you are helping me. Let me know what this show needs to do to help you. And I look forward to coming at you next week on Scaling Up H2O.